Yeah, welcome everyone. This session, I don't know how wonderful it's going to be, but hopefully it can be informative. And we're going to touch on mental health, of course, is, a, is the topic that we're looking at. But in my experience uh, with working with many families, many people, and many athletes, and many people who in my practice, well, I said this in my practice, all my, all my patients are athletes, some are participating and some aren't. <laughs> I like to say, if you have a body, you're an athlete. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it should be the goal of every human being, I think, to keep himself healthy. And, uh, and this, of course, billions of dollars in the economy are spent trying to convince people to do that. And also we spend a lot of time and energy ourselves because we know intrinsically that a healthy physical body is extremely important for our being, for our living, for our existing. Now, unfortunately, we're under the fall of Adam. So we have a problem that is sin and death in our flesh. So regardless of how hard we try or how healthy we are in diet, exercise, we'll have problems, we'll have issues, we'll have illness, we'll have pandemics, we'll have injuries and eventually we will die. So we all know that, but yet while we're here, even though we're living in this fallen being, fallen flesh, we know that there's other parts of our being that interact and make our life worthwhile. Now, we all know, all people know about their soul, meaning their happiness, their joy, also their purpose and their will to accomplish things in life. And that part of our being, we know, is also where our personality lives. That's our person. But even that, even our person has come under the influence of the fall of man. So therefore, we not only have physical illness, psychological problems, psychological illness. These are all psychological, meaning psych, psycho, meaning our soul. That's our soul life. So not only physical, but also psychological. Now, there's another part, as all of you know, all of you know, right? There's another part. <laughs> We've discovered this part, and that is our human spirit. But our human spirit, apart from God, really has minimal, minimal function. It's really considered basically dead. Although some vestiges of it are there in every human being. For example, in Ecclesiastes, he says, I put eternity in their heart, meaning there's something within man, even something in his deadened spirit that wants to reach out and find out the meaning and purpose of life. Okay, so I'm gonna just go with this PowerPoint. Uh, don't go to sleep. Don't worry, it's not gonna be that boring or that bad. <laughs> let's see if I can find the screen and share it with you. And let's go not share, but view. <laughs> or no, let's go play. Play it and I want to enlarge it. Wow, how do I do that? <laughs> no? Okay. Can everybody see that? Is that enough? There. Can everybody see that? Yes. Yes. Okay, good, good. Okay, so everybody has seen these, these three circles. But what we'd like to say today and see today in more detail is that these three circles are not just compartments, individual compartments in and of themselves but they represent the physical, psychological, and spiritual aspects of, of humans. But they are, look, dynamic, 
they're dynamic, and they have interactive, inter-effective relationships within all three of these basic parts. So in that, whoops, in that sense, you can see that this diagram shows more of the interaction between, not only between the parts of our soul, which they do interact with one another, but all the parts of our spirit are then interactive with the parts of our soul. And all the parts of our soul are actually interactive with the parts of our physical body. Now, most of our sensation in our physical body comes from the five senses, as you recognize right there. Brother so Steve, we'll just use that to rep Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I think we might only be able to see your, um, it might be a certain page where that it was selected for us to see, but we're not seeing the diagrams you're talking about. We're just seeing the title. Oh page. my goodness. Okay, let's go back here. Yeah, maybe try once more. Let me start sharing here again. Screen sharing. How about that? Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, brother. There we go. Is that working? Yep. That's great. What about now? Yep. It's a, we're going. Okay. What about here? Yep. Now we can see it. All right. You see, see the interactive nature, the interdependent nature of all the parts of our being. So anatomically, Yes, you can draw three circles and say, yes, that's my anatomy. But we're talking about our physiology. And that's how all these things work together to make us a person. So that's why we have terms like psychosomatic, which means something that is maybe the source is from the body, but it's affecting the soul. Or somatopsychic is another word that we use, where something from the body is something from the soul is affecting the physical body. But as a regenerated person, we have the spirit within our spirit. Now our spirit has become something very interactive with the rest of our being. So that really makes us very complicated actually. And that's why I wanna to go to this diagram. In this diagram, you see how interactive the spirit in our spirit has become it is the, really in a christian our spirit is the main part of our being that's why i put it so big here because within our spirit is all the capacity given to us by god to live our life out in a way that expresses god and that affects our mind it affects our emotion it affects our will it's very experiential and eventually, this kind of experience of the regenerated spirit will affect us. That's why we like this verse in Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So a process, an organic process, the renewing is going on within our spirit, but now it says it's the spirit of our mind, indicating that the spirit has invaded or permeated the mind. And now it becomes the mind of the spirit. So this footnote says, this is the regenerated spirit of the believers, which is mingled with the indwelling spirit of God. Such a mingled spirit spreads into our mind, thus becoming the spirit of our mind. It is in such a spirit that we are renewed for our transformation. So, I say this because as we get into the different activities related to keeping our mind and our spirit and our body healthy, these interactions are important. 
they're important. And they work together to make us a healthy, a healthy person, as healthy as possible. So that's what we're gonna see here. The interdependence among these three implies that mental health is supported and fostered by care for our physical bodies, that is exercise, nutrition, and quality sleep, and our regenerated spirit. So mental health, which is the health mainly of our mind, but it also affects our emotion and our will, obviously, but the leading part, the most dynamic part of our soul is our mind. And that's why we have mental health professionals because you don't have to be regenerated to have problems with your mental health. It's just a part of being even the fallen human race as we all came from and in many ways we still are experiencing. But what we're experiencing because of our mingled spirit is an ability to have some balance between these parts that gives us a sense of well-being and a sense of health. So the first aspect that we mentioned here is exercise. And uh, so that's why I wanted to go into this part of our talk for the next 10 minutes or so and talk with Brian a little bit. Uh, this is just the basic recommendation from the American Academy of Family Physicians that most days a week, they don't even say how many that is, but most days a week, a person should participate in 30 minutes of vigorous exercise, including a variety of four things, cardiopulmonary health, uh, exercise, weight resistance, joint flexibility or mobility, and proprioceptive training, which is balance controls for our activities. So I'm here today in Brian's uh, gym. This is uh, College Station Physical Therapy. And Brian's joined me today to talk a little bit about what does this mean? What does this look like in our living, in our life? How, how important do you think it is for your mental health, but also for your spiritual health to stay physically active? I think that's a really good question. And that's what we're gonna kind of get into. And we're gonna see how, how you introduced everything with the entire three parts yeah. of man, our whole being needs to be cared for. And how do we care for that? Um, we're, we're very, uh, we're, we're blessed that we have found our mingled spirit. Amen. <laughs> um, we have a mingled spirit. We have right. God's spirit living in our spirit. And so that's going to affect, I think the way we approach things related to our soul and related mm -hmm. to our body. So just the fact that now our spirit is no longer dead, we it's alive. It's been made alive with the spirit of God, and we have the Zoe life in our spirit. So how do we go from there and get the Zoe life spreading into our soul and our body? Well, we have to care for those different faculties. Um, and so I'm here just to mainly talk about exercise in the physical body because that's what I talk about with people almost every day, and it's also something that I personally do every day um, because of what we just put on the on the slide there for you. And so one thing I wanted to ask before we get into some of these details of how we do this is 30 minutes may sound like a lot to some of you may not sound like very much of vigorous exercise. Does that have to be all at once or can it be broken down? Right. Well, it depends on your schedule. Of course, if you could spend the full 30 minutes at once, 
you do get some benefits from pushing that envelope of your cardiopulmonary function. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it has to be all at once. Many times it could be 10 minutes here or five minutes here and 20 minutes here. It could be broken up throughout the day. So in my experience, I find it much easier to do that kind of compartmentalized exercise for me. Yeah, so I think that it's good to find a balance um, mm -hmm. whenever you're approaching exercise. You need to find a balance in doing some of it for longer periods of time and some of it for shorter periods of time. So if you have variability in your training, number one, you're actually going to prepare your, your physical body for, for more things that come at it because there also right. is this risk of injury, uh, uh, risk of things kind of popping up whenever you start stimulating these things in your body. But also, you're going to, I think, have more fun <laughs> if, you, if you have some variability. Hey, that's training. mental health too, right? Yes. Because <laughs> um, a lot of people, when they see exercise, it's not, it does not imply yeah. fun at all. Yeah. Um, so if you can find something that you enjoy doing, whether it's playing basketball, going for a run, or doing push-ups and sit-ups in your, in your apartment, something that you enjoy that makes you feel good eventually. I mean, it may not feel good at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, then that's going to be more um, repeatable so that you can get in the habit of actually having 30 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to have very variability in doing, for example, one or two times where you spend 30 minutes getting your heart rate up for that entire time because you get to a point to where it's more directly affecting your mental health, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked mm -hmm. about this. You need at least that 20 minutes to what, what kind of happens here? In yeah, the well, the, actually the first few minutes of exercise is where you're using up the glucose that's in your circulating in your blood. And then after about 20 minutes, you're getting rid of a lot of the glycogen, which is easily retrievable for energy. But then as you pass that 20 minute mark or so, you begin to metabolize other things that are necessary and really stretching your, your capacity and producing in your body some growth, some strength, some uh, endurance, some increased cardiopulmonary capacity, and also something else that we have discovered that you may have heard of, and that's ketones. So as ketone bodies are released from, from the system, from exercising, there's an effect on the brain. Some people call it uh, euphoria, even an exercise euphoria that some people experience. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe some of you have dreaded exercising, but then you got started. Yes, it was tough. It was hard. But for some reason, something happened. You were going for a while and you just felt like I should do this more often. <laughs> you know, And you just felt better. You went in and took a hot shower afterward. And there's something about that that really starts your day right and gets you off in a good mood. Right. And so in order to do that, you need to spend a little bit longer time uh, in that cardiovascular kind of range of heart rate so that your body can get into that state. Right. Right. Um, but also there's huge benefits to these other areas, um, and especially weight training. I think this is uh, something yeah. that's very overlooked, um, mm -hmm. not just in athletes and people that are working on performance, for example, a runner. Now we're realizing how much more strength training they need to be doing versus just running all the time, but also somebody that yeah. is um, not necessarily doing that kind of exercise, just simply adding in two to three days of weight training mm -hmm. where you're getting resistance, whether it's five pounds, a hundred pounds, you need to learn how to get resistance through those muscles, tendons, and joints so that you can actually, this is a really interesting study that came out about um, people who 
had cancer, their mortality rates were decreased by 30% if they were previously doing two to three days of strength training um, wow. per week. So that alone, like that, that didn't look at any other factors of cardiopulmonary or proprioceptive type training. Um, it, it was just weight training alone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. cardiopulmonary, 30 minutes a day, if you can get that twice a day, that longer duration, and then strength training two to three days, two to three days a week. You can do that mm -hmm. in times of, you like to do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the middle of the day, maybe 10 minutes in the evening, mm -hmm. um, or you can do, um, you can, you don't have to break it down, but it's fine to break it down, especially strength training, because you're still getting the same effects mm -hmm. uh, as far as maybe not necessarily gaining strength in that area, but you're going to get the same effects to your entire body. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the other things we had on there were the mobility and flexibility. Yeah. And so mobility is pertaining more to the joint, like how mobile is your joint? If we don't use it, if we don't get into ranges that we're uncomfortable with, then we're not yeah. going to have that range available to us. And then we increase our risk or incidence of injury when we do start trying to exercise. Yeah. And so mobility is extremely important in setting a foundation for everything. Um, and that kind of goes along with uh, muscle flexibility as well. But then there's another aspect that I, is not if you're not training for something specific, it may be kind of overlooked. And that's the, the proprioceptive, which that means balance, or there's little mm -hmm. neuroreceptors and mechanoreceptors in the joints mm -hmm. that if you don't train them, they're just, they're not working or yeah. they're not even there. They're connected to the brain. <laughs> they, they may be there, but there's no connection there. And so right. that, that alone, just improving your balance. I know all, all of you, most of you here are young people, but improving and keeping your balance as you get older um falls is i think one of the i don't know the percentages on this but i it's it's one of the num the top causes of um injury or it, it visits to the emergency room and yeah. i think people over 60. Yeah. Um, but that's something that if you don't start training early on it's a lot harder to catch up on that once you get past 40. so yeah um these are just four areas but we also want to em emphasize that uh we, we have a special portion because we can actually do these things while taking care of other parts of our being. So we can exercise our spirit while we're exercising our body. Yeah. We have the opportunity to pray, to call on the Lord. I do that. Um, or do it with other people that you can have fellowship with while you're doing these things. And that's going to, in turn, if I think almost we're missing something if we don't do that. So yeah. if yeah. we don't have the, if we don't, exercise the spirit while we're exercising the body, mm -hmm. we may not have as much of an effect on our mm -hmm. entire being. So our spirit is still the key, even when we're doing bodily exercise, yeah. which in, in Timothy, I believe it says it's, it does profit a little, a little. so we shouldn't ignore it, but also, you know, also we should, we should pay at least a little attention to it yeah. uh, because it affects um, our mental health, especially as we talked about. But um, just like our spirit is kind of like a muscle, if we use it, then it gets kind of weak. It's a little bit harder to, to exercise our spirit if we stop using it so much. Right. The same thing with our muscles. If it, you also have to kind of start slow um, whenever, um, I mean, I'm kind of approaching this. I have no idea how much y'all are exercising, uh, but- Not as much as you used to. Not, yeah, probably not <laughs> if you're inside a little bit more and sitting in front of a screen. And so the weather's starting to warm up uh, and we need to get outside, whether it's starting just by walking, uh, and then making that go into a run that is going to be so beneficial for our mental health. Um, 
And there are things you can do in your home. There's things you can do in your office. And there are many apps that I've, some brothers have showed me and I've showed some others that you can use. And I use myself when I travel, when I'm in hotel rooms, I use these apps and I just try to get my exercise everywhere I go every day, if possible, at least that little short amount. So it's possible. Now, let me tell you this. One time I heard someone say that the best exercise is the exercise you can do while you're praying. How about that? So this is something that requires a kind of will to do is exercise. But even further, as you exercise, learn to pray, learn to call on the Lord. And I just have to testify that as, as I have gone on walks or, or runs or jogs or even bike rides, some of those times are the times that I pray the most, that I plan my life, that I'm, I'm thinking about my life and what I've done and what I'm going to do. I make some decisions. Those are all processes I'm doing while I'm doing physical exercise. Sometimes it's good to just get out, get out and get away from everything so that you can pray. And that could be a long walk. And there's nothing wrong with a long, vigorous walk. Mm -hmm. That can make you healthy. Mm -hmm. It can also cause you to be making your spirit stronger. And that also can contribute very much to your mental health. So there is definitely this connection between the mind, body, and the spirit. And if we don't do this, then we're putting ourselves at risk of increased risk of mental health disease. Yes. Um, it's definitely that much of a factor and it can go for every part of our being. If we don't exercise our spirit, we're putting ourselves at risk for mental health. Yeah. If we don't exercise our body, we're also same thing. It's affecting that middle part of our being, our soul, where we live uh, most of our time. Right. Okay. Well, for the next 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes, I'm going to share the screen again. And we're going to talk a little bit more about, let me just say briefly about um, nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. Balance. That's the main thing I want you to understand with nutrition, balance. There's got to be a balance, not only the cardio, the calorie intake and output, but also a balance of the proteins, carbs, and fats. And that depends so much on each individual. It's hard to say what diet is right for you, but it's something you can work with a nutritionist or your doctor. There are many people that have individualized and personalized needs related to their, to their health uh, that will affect their diet, but it's still a very important part of mental health. And then also sleep is also extremely important part of mental health. Uh, and we say that a person should have two complete REM cycles every night for restorative and informational brain function. Now, what happens whenever you sleep is that within in a certain part of your sleep, particularly stage four, which is deep sleep, there's actually a physiologic renewing of all of the processes of your brain. It's the time in which the brain more or less clears itself out. Interestingly enough, there's not a lymph system in the brain. The rest of your body has a lymph system, a lymphatic system, and it carries away a lot of the byproducts and cleans out our system basically continuously. The brain has no lymph system. And for many, many decades, people have wondered, well, how does the brain keep itself cleaned out? And they found out that during REM sleep or during stage four sleep, there's a restorative activity within the brain, which helps to clear out all of those byproducts of your life <laughs> from your brain. Now, isn't that interesting? That's why sleep is so important, healthy sleep. But not only that, 
there is the discovery of a pathway between the uh, short-term memory and long-term memory. And this little pathway, it's a neurophysiologic pathway that when they did a, a special kind of PET scan, it lit up during stage four sleep. This implies that short-term memory is kept in a place until stage four sleep uploads it into long-term memory. So this means that what your mother said all these years is probably right. Get a good night's sleep <laughs> and you'll do much better. Now, this is also reinforced by your college life because how many of you cram the night before an exam? You cram, put everything in there, it's in your short-term memory, and 10 minutes after the test, you can't remember 90% of what you put on the test. But those things that you learned slowly and gradually, and then had a good night's sleep, night after night, became a part of your long-term memory. So sleep is very important for memory, and of course, very important for mental health. Okay, now we're gonna switch gears for this last part. And this is the most difficult part of this whole talk. And as I was talking with Josh and some others, I realized that this kind of talk about mental illness and the difficulties related to it is so complex and it needs a lot of time to talk about it. And 30 minutes is just not near enough, even if we subject just stayed on that subject. So we're gonna just spend the next, what? 10, less than 10 minutes now, looking at this, uh, a few points related to mental health. Okay, so here's, here's one of the most important things. That is, because of the strong interactive nature of the human brain and the mind and the human spirit, there's a common understanding that one should avoid mind-altering substances to maintain good mental health. Now, I know that really seems basic and primary, but it really is true. So we may think, well, maybe it won't, maybe this type of drug or that type of drug are less effective. I can get by with it once or twice. Well, yes, you can. You have a very resilient brain. So the brain can take a lot of punishment, but it's still, things are happening within your brain when you're using mind-altering substances, whether that's something as simple as alcohol or something like um, uh, cannabis or cannabis products can do this. Uh, and also, of course, many other more serious uh, medications. And these are medications that are not prescribed by a physician, but sometimes they are. So there are prescription drugs that can be abused that are mind altering that then can cause much more damage to the brain and subsequently cause damage to mental health. So just as there are medic medicines that are needed, that have been discovered, that are useful for helping people with defined and diagnostically, uh, diagnostic mental health disease, these medicines can also be abused and misused. And that can also be something that you should be aware of and, and be aware that those things can affect you in a negative way. So, uh, there's a couple of things here I want to mention about barriers, barriers to treatment for mental illness. Uh, some people discourage mental health consultation for believers and may unintentionally present a barrier to needed medical or behavioral treatment. 
remember what I said earlier about the human soul and the brain being kind of together. The brain and the mind are really one thing, functionally. So as your mind is affected, your brain is affected. Therefore, if you have, if you're subject to the fall, not only are you going to have trouble with the flesh, with medical illnesses, but you'll have trouble with behavioral illnesses, psychological illness, illnesses of anxiety, illnesses of many different areas of the, the whole realm of psychology. And so to, to discourage someone from getting proper mental health consultation can become a barrier to getting better. And many times it's not intentional. It's someone's good intention to try to encourage a believer, oh, you just need to do this or that. No, we should, we should be able to recognize that whenever there's something going on in the mind that is affecting your daily life, that is interfering with your daily living, with the activities of your living, with your studying, with your friendships, with your relationships, with your parental uh, relationships, these kind of things began to reflect that there is something that may need some professional help. And so we should not discourage people from seeking good mental health consultation. Okay, and then others would say, would discourage believers from taking medications for mental disease. But think about this, the, the scientific advancements in this field over the recent years and, and even decades um, should convince us that as things have advanced scientifically, then we have better understanding of the actual neurotransmitters and the imbalances within the neurotransmitters that really affect our mental experience. So we shouldn't think that a brain neurotransmitter, which is a physical phenomenon, could not affect our psychological being. It does. That's why we take medicines, right? We take medicines to feel better, right? It doesn't matter if you have a, let's say you have bronchitis and you need antibiotics. When you have bronchitis, you feel bad. You don't feel, your mental health is not good, okay? So you take medicine for it and somehow that physical medicine makes you feel better. So you're not only healed physically, but you're healed mentally from that. So in the same way, people who may have a primary disorder in their mental function, their mental function is out of function, then there are actual medications that can correct, you know, pharmaco, neuropharmacological uh, imbalances that can bring you back to a normal sensation. For example, anxiety. Anxiety is one of the most common senses of mental health, right? We're anxious anxious about something. And the more that anxiety increases, the more it becomes pathologic. In other words, it begins to interfere with all kinds of relationships, with my job, and even with everything in my life. It sort of takes over. Well, that kind of experience of anxiety is probably from an imbalance or like a lack of balance of a neurotransmitter that may need to be controlled. 
at least temporarily, to get things back into condition again, into a balance physiologically. And there are medicines that are designed to do that. They are designed from that, that level, from the microscopic cellular level, and even less than the cellular level, from the neurotransmitter level, to bring things back into balance. That's science. So we should never think that that is not useful. It is very useful and necessary, particularly in serious mental disorders, uh, which we don't have time to talk much about today. We won't talk about it. Okay, there's three misconceptions I wanted to just bring out. This is a misconception that if you develop mental problems, that means you're under God's judgment. Well, we're all under God's judgment because we're under the fall. Because someone has a mental health problem only indicates that Satan has invaded man, and that includes them, but it also includes you. So we should never judge others for their mental health problems because we ourselves may be next, okay? This is not a good thing to do. Okay, number two, regardless of the severity of mental health problem, it can be resolved by more dedicated spiritual exercise. Well, this is, good. it's a good idea to exercise your spirit. Obviously, we say do that. But there are many mental health problems that will not be resolved, no matter how much prayer, no matter how much prayer reading you do, because it is physiologic. It is physical, and that can relate to the mental. So in those cases, it's very important to seek mental health consultation and then open up to the possibility that this could be corrected. Sometimes it can be corrected by behavioral interventions, cognitive inter interventions, but many times it requires medication and under the supervision of a physician. And then the last misconception is the sudden onset of serious mental health condition is a sign of demon possession. There's no indication of this particularly in, in environments like we are in. Uh, we don't see that much demon possession in our country, but in countries where there's a lot of idols, where idolatry is prominent, we see much more demon possession. So it can express itself, demon possession could express itself and maybe look like a mental disorder. But in my experience, most of what we would call that is actually a mental health disorder that can be treated with medication. So we've discovered this by uh, many years of science in the field of psychiatry. So those are three misconceptions. And then let's just maybe finish up with this. What's the healthy approach to mental health? Be willing to get help. Be willing to take medication. Be willing to take it as prescribed and be willing to remain under the care of a health professional if it's recommended. So as you can see, we don't have any time for questions and discussions, but I have offered that we could have another time at some point in the future when we could sit down with myself, maybe uh, Rick Scatterday or some other brothers and have a time to really get into some of the important, very important questions that come out from our experience of mental health. Uh, there are seven questions that came out I can't answer these, but I'm just gonna throw them out there and say, these are the kind of things we might be able to answer in another session. How do we know when to seek spiritual help and when it's time to seek professional psychological help? That's a good question. How do we know if what we're experiencing is a spiritual deficiency 
or a physical or psychological ailment. Another question, I feel as if I'm not myself without anxiety, like it's a part of me. So sometimes I feel guilty about letting go and letting God. How can I deal with this in a way that lets Christ take over? This deals with the area of anxiety. How do you let people know that you aren't able to do all the normal church life things because of bad mental health days without them thinking you are backsliding or neglecting the church life? Oh Lord. We need to talk a lot about these kind of thoughts and ideas that of what is normal and what is abnormal. And uh, I think the more we go on and see and experience things in life, we realize that there are, I guess all of us have bad mental health days because it's a natural phenomena. We go through cycles in our life. There's just normal biorhythms and normal cycles. So uh, we need to talk about that and how to recognize that as something that's normal or abnormal and what to do about it. It doesn't mean you're backsliding or neglecting the church life. It means that there's a need to take care of your mental health in certain ways. Again, that needs to be talked about a lot more. Why does God let me go through such horrible circumstances? Now that's the question of questions. Why? Why did it happen to me? If I can't believe in myself, why does he put me in these circumstances? Wow, another very good question we'd like to spend some more time with. And then how do I properly align my identity in Christ and not be stuck in what my diagnosis says I am? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, your diagnosis doesn't say who you are. No matter what the diagnosis is, it's not you. Yep. Just because I say that you have pneumonia doesn't mean you're now pneumonia. <laughs> And the same is true with any of these things. Because you have a, a diagnosis of depression, that does, that's not what you are. That's not who you are. Okay. It is something that's happening to you, but it's something that can be treated and helped and brought into a healthy balance with the rest of your body. Okay. Well, again, we're out of time. I'm sorry that we can't spend more time in answering these questions. I know they are important to you. But let's talk about a time in the future when we can spend that kind of session together 